SMS SAFM now on 41391. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. Closet Conversations. Let's welcome a beautiful A-team guest who is Dr. Mushokwa and uh, she is a urologist and a surgeon. She specializes in kidney and uh, bladder reproductive organ problems and related treatments. Thank you so very much for joining us, Dr. Mushokwa. It's always a pleasure having you. Thank you. Good evening to you, Patricia, and to the listeners. It's a pleasure to be here. Today we've opened up the lines to our A-teamers to ask their questions, and I'm sure you're going to be able to give them answers around Mm. uh, the signs and symptoms they should look out for um, that are telltale signs that they need to go see a gynecologist and a urologist. And obviously these questions are going to be around their sexual health, sexual dysfunction, infertility in both males and females, and even sometimes even bladder issues. So I'm looking forward to hearing those questions from A-teamers. However, from your side as a urologist, What are some of the common signs that men should be looking out for that they need to now go see a urologist? Thank you for that question, Uh, Patricia. I think uh, let me just also acknowledge, you know, that because usually we do talk about men, women, and I want to just be clear that uh, we do appreciate that there are others, you know, who will not necessarily be you know, either men or women. And those are some of the people that we do deal with. Uh, By that, I mean, you may find that someone cannot be assigned a gender of being male or female, so we still uh, attend to that. But what I should say is, as a urologist, for instance, I mean, we deal with people from an early age. I know sometimes people think a urologist is like an equivalent of a gynecologist. No. Urologists, basically, we work with anything that has to do with urine, uh, meaning that we're talking of kidneys, of ureter, bladder, prostate, uh, the, you know, and genitalia, the penis, the testes. And what is important is that both men and women and the other will have kidneys, you know, will have ureter, bladder. So we deal with anything that has to do with it and across all ages. So we see from newborn and sometimes even from pregnancy, you find that if there's something abnormal, the obstetrician may involve the urologist early if there's something they see which is abnormal in the fetus, for instance. So let me start by looking at the male uh, case, like from childhood to the elderly, may need a urologist. And this can be things which can over time affect even the sexual health. For instance, in children, you may find that some children are born with undescended testes find that the testes are not where they are supposed to be in the scrotum. They are high or you can't even feel them. It's better to bring them early. And we usually prefer to correct that before the age of two years, for instance. And then some, you find that they are born with a penis which does not, you know, have the opening at the tip. We call that hypospadia. You find that the opening is at the back. We also would prefer to correct that before the preschool, you know, going age. And then as time goes on, like around puberty, there may be what we call delayed puberty. You find that 
when the boy, you know, looks at himself and then the other kids at school or friends start feeling like, no, it looks like my penis is not really growing, you know, like my peers, or be ashamed to go to the toilet. And that can be quite a psychological, you know, impact negatively. That is the time when we come on during adolescent as well. And then over time, or it can be early, early puberty that shouldn't be. And then, you know, early years of sexual life in the 20s or on, early ejaculation or problems, you know, with desire or problems uh, which may be associated with erection itself. And like we talked the other time, as the age goes by, around the 40s, low testosterone levels. And then issues of fertility, we also manage that. And prostate, you know, which I know the other time, I'm sure you've discussed a lot on prostate issues. And of course, we will look at anything that has to do with urine. And as the years go by, when we offer treatment for anything, whether it's for prostate or for mental issues, they may have impact on the sexuality. Last time we're talking, if you remember, on things like arthritis. You know, find that someone has got arthritis or cannot walk or is that stroke. All those things may have an impact on life of the person or on the sexuality. So it's actually across, you know, the life spectrum where a urologist can come on board and it may be to attend to a life-threatening issue or a quality of life, you know, thing, meaning that the life is not really threatened, but the quality of life is impacted negatively. So that is what we come on board to do. Dr. Mushoko, I'm I'm very interested in knowing for children who are, I mean, you mentioned children who are at birth, even up until puberty, if they don't get the necessary medical attention, how does this impact on their health and when they are in, in, in later life? It can be, I mean, I think, you know, it can be quite bad, I should say. Uh, I mean, some of the kids who come, sometimes you find that they are not even comfortable to talk about it. You find that someone who can speak well, but when it comes to talking about like, no, I'm thinking that my penis size is small. I'm giving an, an example. They can't even say it. They wait for their mom or dad to say it for them. Or things like bedwetting, Patricia. I mean, that's one of the things. Let me give an example with it. You find that you've got, let's say, a 12-year-old who's bedwetting. Can't visit, you know, to can't go to another house, can't do sleepovers. I'm just giving an example mm, of that. Mm. So the same with, you know, the issues of the size, issues of undescended, and you see other kids that know they've got two, I don't have anything. So all of those uh, makes someone to ask themselves questions. And what I like saying is that that is the reason why we are on board to look, to unravel. I mean, I'm going to give an example with someone who may be raised as a boy. I mean, as a, as a boy. And then come puberty, they start developing breasts. You get what I... You can, it becomes difficult to hide the breasts. Some, they will use tape, you know, to cover, uh, you know, to cover the, the breasts because they don't want them. They don't want to talk about it. And it's something that every day they'll see in the mirror. So I'm actually one of the, you know, uh, surgeons involved in gender affirmation surgery. So I do that as well, where you find that somebody has been raised, has grown up, been told you are a boy, this is who you are, this is what you do, but they grow up and they identify being the opposite and they're like, I don't want this. And immediately when we do this, you know, 
take them through the procedures of hormonal treatment, of doing the surgery. You see how much it's like budding, you know, the way they come out, the comfort. And this is something which is quite, you know, rewarding to see that, you know, someone is like they're finding themselves. And that is why it's very interesting to be part of that journey, you know, and the sexuality as well in that case. So whatever we do, you find that we'll do the surgery, not only for the look, but for the look, for the functioning, and for sexual, you know, satisfaction as well. So those are the things that we look at and we work, you know, on with our patients. Now, Doc, I, I think the gender reassignment um, um, is a topic on its own, and I think we should yeah. give it its own uh, time uh, because it's one that is quite interesting. And I think a lot of ATMs have been keen because we've had yeah. someone who was in the transitioning process come on and speak to us about it. But um, they were speaking from their own personal experience and not from a medical perspective. So I think yeah. we should have a discussion around that a bit later. Um yeah. But one of my questions is, you're saying, let's say here's a young uh, a boy who realizes that he's got a small penis. I mean, I've heard a lot of mm-hmm. men here on the show who have said, I've got a micro penis, I've lost relationships. If a boy who's uh, not yet in puberty or has just reached puberty is now uncomfortable because of their penis size, what is it that you as a urologist do to assist them? Yeah, I must say, you know, Patricia, I actually get happy when somebody comes with their parents during puberty or around that age because there's something we can do definitely. But if somebody comes with, you know, with his partner or with wife or whatever, it becomes difficult because let me tell you what happens with the growth of the penis. The penis usually grows in three, you know, stages of life. One, when the baby's still in the womb. So there'll be testosterone hormone which goes up and then the penis will grow, get well formed and be, you know, a complete penis the way it should be. Then in the early year, the first year of life, between three months and about nine months, the penis will grow then as well. And then if you look after a year, up to puberty, the penis does not really grow much. So then from puberty, it will grow again because testosterone goes up again. And that can range, you know, between the ages of about 10, you know, to about 16. But usually if a a boy is at 14 and they have not yet had any signs of growth, that is when we would want to see them before. We don't want someone coming at 20 because as time goes on, the receptors in the body which respond to testosterone, they close. That's why a penis does not grow for life. And so what happens is that in those stages, we can give testosterone. It's an injection. It's got different uh, types in the market, but the testosterone and the can weight is the best one that we have. We give the injection, and then you'll see the difference. And we do that sometimes, for instance, if we have to do surgery. You find that we want to do surgery, but the penis is very small, so we can give testosterone to, to have it a bit bigger to do surgery, like I was talking about hypospadia. So, yes. A micro penis, as you talked, uh, it's when we are the, the formation of the penis is complete. It's not like where the openings below. So we call it micro penis. And there are ways in which we we do, uh, you know, measure. Let me just say that the measurement, like at new, for newborns, we talk of around two centimeters. And what we do, we don't measure from the tip of the penis to the skin. 
because you will rob, you know, other people who are relatively, uh, you know, having a higher weight because then the skin will make the penis look relatively shorter. So we measure from the tip of the penis to the bone using a straight ruler, not like a measuring tape because that is a bit floppy. And for those who are interested, you can check now on Google, for instance, to look at the different sizes of the penis that we look at. It differs from one country to another. If you look at what you call the map of penal sizes, you know, that tells you about penal sizes across the world. And you'll see, you know, what will happen like Asia, in Africa and whatever. That penis will not be the same. We talk okay. of the average. N- n- now I'm interested. Yeah. Doc, now yes. I'm interested. Now I'm interested. Yeah. So l- let's go for it. In, in Asia, in Africa, what are the sizes? You know, there, there's, always, the, there's always been conspiracy. No, man, let's not yes. go to Google. You tell us. You are yeah. my Google. Yeah. What there's always do, been conspiracy. You... Here in Africa, yes. I caspete. You know, our men are well endowed. But other parts of Africa are even better than others. And then there's conspiracies that, no, once you go to Asia, ta, hi, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> the story no, no, is no. different. And like, if you look on the map, very interesting, Petra. I mean, I'm glad we, I mean, you are bringing that on. Definitely, when you look at the African continent, you see that the relative penal size is bigger than when you're comparing, for instance, with Asia. But I want to also make it clear that this is the average that we're talking about and now we do have got a lot of cross let me say cross pollination or mixture of you know interracial relationship that also has impact but what is important is that definitely africa for instance and what is also interesting is that the areas or the you know countries where the penal size is bigger the risk for prostate cancer is high very Mm. interesting actually to note that so could there be a correlation between penis size and prostate cancer? Just like there's a, a, a correlation around how many times a man ejaculates a month and prostate cancer? There could be correlation. Remember, the other things we look at is the testosterone levels, which are also not necessarily the same. So, yes. Hmm. Okay, so for a, um, a boy who's about to hit puberty, you are able to do uh, just hormonal treatment and that will be able to alleviate the, uh, the the penis not growing the way it should. But you also mentioned men with uh, breast. How do you help yeah. them? Is that surgery yeah. or is that also um, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, around some sort of hormonal treatment? Yeah, what happens is for, for when someone has got breast, we call it gynecomastia. So it can either be true, gynecomastia, where it's real breast, or it can be what we call pseudo, where you, it's like someone who's relatively uh, having a high you know, BMI, then it's not really you know, true breast. So we do test for testosterone and for estrogen, because that is the common reason why you will have a change in that. And then we will look, what is the reason? Is it physiological or pathological? By physiological, I mean when testosterone goes too high, you know, due to normal reasons of growth at puberty, or abnormal, maybe there's a testosterone-producing tumor, for instance. And then we need to treat the cause. And then if the breasts are, you know, real breasts, surgery can be done for that, definitely. Hmm. And it's better to attend to it, you know, relatively early. You know, people want to go, for instance, you know, chest out, go to the beach, whatever, and be comfortable with, with their bodies. So it's important to not hide, you know, and think you are alone. No. 
In terms of, uh, you know, penis sizes, clearly men have a lot of questions around that. There's one. It says, hi, dog. How does one deal with a big penis? All ladies leave me after the first episode. How does one deal with a big penis? Mm, says uh, ladies leave him after the first episode of uh, of sex. Yes. Okay, I think the big thing is uh, looking at things like foreplay. Remember last time we did talk about things, you know, foreplay. What is interesting, especially with a female body, is that there are two things for readiness that are important for readiness. You know, is the mental readiness and the physical readiness. You know, we know that, for instance, in in puberty, you find that uh, someone is, let's say, 16 years old, girl. Physically, they are, you know, they, the body is ready to conceive, for instance, but mentally they are not. And then you have someone who is 45, who you may find that is craving to, you know, to be sexually active, even starting for play. But they are mentally ready, but not physically ready. You find that the person is still dry, for instance. But they are the ones who even initiated. So what is important is to be able to look at that. That just because you as a man, for instance, you are ready, it does not necessarily mean that the partner is ready. And for play and, you know, uh, having good, uh, you know, lubrication, all of those things are very important. And things that we usually recommend for lubrication are, you know, like KY jelly, very nice, especially for, you know, because it doesn't have odor, it's usually clear. And some people may want to go for flavored ones, but if you are starting with your partner, rather play around that. It makes it better, you know, than just, especially if you know that you are big already and already you have the past of having issues. It's nice to take your time, discuss it with your partner, have fun, and then come to a point where when it's time for penetration, your partner is also ready. That Mm. is very important. And listen to what your partner says. If Mm. your partner talks about pain or that they are not comfortable, they are saying they are not comfortable. So don't continue. Let's go to a voice note from an A-teamer. Good evening, Doc. Um, My question is, should a man, you know, in your 40s, should you be worried if you are peeing? Most of the time, you, you, you have to go to the loo, relieve yourself, but in this case, you pee, you know? Um, I don't know, but like maybe twice in an hour or three times in two hours. Mm-hmm. Is that normal? You know, should you be worried if you continuously want to go to the loo to pee, for example? Go ahead, Doc. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, you know, on an average, let me just tell you, normal adults, average daily, you know, going to the P in 24 hours, it's about eight times. So what I usually request, you know, even my patients is to do what we call a urinating diary, you know, because they don't know that it's usually eight times. If you're going to the toilet every two to three hours, it's not normal. You need to you need to work, you need to leave, you need to do other things, and you know there's a change. So go and see your doctor because there are things which can cause that. Maybe your kidneys are producing too much urine, like with diabetes, or maybe your prostate is enlarged and then it's blocking. You don't pass urine completely. So there are many things which will be checked and you can be treated and be able to keep urine longer.
Mm. Doc, th- th- there's an issue of people seeing blood in their urine, especially mm. men and women. It mm. would be one of uh, too much protein in the urine. Are, are these extremely dangerous and are they signs of some other issues? It is not normal to have blood in urine. So whether you can see the blood or it's through the test, that is an indication that you have to see a urologist. The things that can cause blood in the urine can range from the kidneys, like kidney cancers, uh, kidney stones, you know, and then in the ureter and bladder cancers, you know, what we grew up, I remember, you know, I'm from Limpopo. We used to have what we call mutab, you know, uh, where you just pee at the end the blood, you know, because there would be belhazia in the water, which is there. So the issue is once you see that blood, even if you don't feel any pain, it can be harmful. So go, be seen, have Sarah check up, and then be comfortable. So please, don't take it lightly. And the protein in the blood? The proteins in the blood, it's not normal to have proteins in the blood. So usually we will check if it's only protein. It can be one of the first signs, you know, that tells you that your kidneys may be about to fail. Because the kidneys work like sift. So they usually will sift and keep the proteins inside the body. They won't let the proteins get in the urine. So if the sift is not working well, it's a, it, it may be the one of the first signs that your kidneys may be going towards failure. So don't leave it. We go, you check. We'll check how much of protein is there. Because some people will end up, will have protein, and when they wake up in the morning, they're swollen on the face. You know, find that they're swollen on the face, but as the day goes, but they are fine. So it's what you call nephrotic syndrome. So don't sit. If there are proteins, you go be checked. Your GP will decide to take you to a nephrologist or to a urologist, but it is not normal. A-teamers, ask your questions. Uh, we've got Dr. Mushokwa, who is a urologist. Anything uh, from uh, bladder issues, pelvic issues, sexual dysfunction and infertility in men, uh, she's able to answer. And some of the telltale signs that you must now get up and go seek medical health, especially from a urologist or a gynecologist, please do um, uh, join us and ask your questions on 011-714-2006 or you can WhatsApp 614 SMSs go to 41391. Here, here's a message. It says, interesting conversation there. Can I please have the doctor's name and website if possible? I would like to get in touch with her. Doc, please give us your details now and you'll do so again at the end of the show. Okay, it's drmoshogwa.com. That's my website. And then on Instagram, it's dr underscore Evelyn Mushogwa. All right. Uh, for those who might need the spelling, it's uh, Dr. M-O-S-H-O-K-O-A, Dr. Mushokwa. And that's how you get hold of her at .com. Doc, there's other things here. And I always mm. worry about this. This one I worry about. What are the telltale signs if you have kidney stones or do you just wake up one day and, yeah, so kona match in your kidneys? Yeah, kidney stones are actually one of the common emergencies that I see. Even today, I just, you know, had one procedure around 8 o'clock in the evening. Uh, most of the time, people don't know. Either they may have recurrent infections. By recurrent infections, I mean someone having in- infection more than two times in six months or more than three times in a year. You need to be checked what is happening. Because if there's a stone, you can never clear the infection. 
So that is one of the, and you talked about blood in the urine when they do the tests. But when they come as an emergency, some will tell you that the pain is worse than labor pain. Even men who never had labor, they'll be like, yo, I would have rather, you know, had labor than this, even if they don't know. Mm. So, But the issue is the pain is acute. It's colic, meaning that it comes and goes, and it can be just at the back, you know, going down onto the bladder. So many people, you won't sleep, you come. And then other things is infection, fever, you know, and kidney failure, if the stones are in both kidneys. So the issue about it, what I usually recommend is, you know, with our lifestyle of being busy, people don't drink much water. You find that you are having one coffee after another. I'm just giving an example. You know, mm, weekend mm. with alcohol, not taking too enough water. So take care of yourself. When you are exercising, take more. So best thing to look at drinking water with every meal, before every meal, and making sure you take as an adult around two liters a day, put a bit of lemon, good for you yeah but doc then uh, if you are drinking about two liters or more of water mm-hmm. a day wouldn't that cause you to go and urinate more than eight times no it depends i mean remember the other ways of losing water you know it's sweating you know we do sweat so the body has got other ways you know per day you may find that we call it insensible loss it's you find that it's almost around half a liter and then some water will come out as well with, you know, with number two, you know. So it's not like all the water is going to come out, you know, with the urine. So, but it's important to take and drink enough water because this is one thing that people, and water is not a cool drink or juice or coffee or tea. No, we're talking water. Because if you check what people drink, other things, you find that it's even more than water. Let's go to our ATMOs on the line. Peter, good evening. Uh, good evening, ma'am. Good evening. I just good want evening. to ask the do- yeah, uh, uh, evening doctor. I just want to ask. Uh, last year, uh, I went to the private hospital, and they they said uh, one of my kidneys is, is enlarged, and it has got a, a cyst or a cyst. Now, last week, I start, uh, I drank a lot of uh, beer, and then. Mm. Uh, I want to find that during the night, uh, I, I urinate uh, uh, many times, which was unnatural. And then there was a pungent smell in the, mm. in the urine. Now, after that, I stopped drinking for four or five days. Then when I stopped drinking, I found that, no, my, my, my urine is perfect. And I don't uh, wake up uh, a lot during the night. I just urinate normally. So I want to ask... Uh, if uh, alcohol or excessive uh, drinking has got an effect uh, with the uh, kidney failure or what? Okay. Uh, you, okay, you mentioned the kidney was, in, I mean, informed that the kidney is enlarged. The issue is that when the kidney is enlarged and you take alcohol or things like coffee, the, you may have pain on that. But when you... Drink beer. Remember beer, when you take it, you will pee a lot. And then after, you get dehydrated. So alcohol can have an impact because, I mean, to some people, because they drink it the following day when you are saying you're feeling a bit of babalas because you are dehydrated. And some people, when they drink, they also eat. You know, you're like drying red meat. It's increment of uric acid, which increases, you know, the risk of having stones in the kidneys as well. 
So that is why when we talk of alcohol, we talk of moderate intake. Look at how much you are taking of the alcohol. Because if we talk of moderate, we're talking of a tot, talking of two, uh, you know, like beers, not the whole ngutu, eh? and or taking one glass of wine. But many people will keep all the glasses of wine and drink them on, on a Friday. No, that is not healthy for you. Okay, thanks a lot, doctor. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, Peter, and uh, take care of your health. And let's go to more of the messages from A-teamers. This one um, says, Hi, Doc. Uh, can uh, you take testosterone for a penis enlargement as an adult? As an adult, testosterone does not help for penile enlargement because when someone grows, wants to go beyond puberty, which ranges, because remember puberty takes average five years. So I usually like saying from the age of around 23 upwards, you get testosterone, your penis is not going to be enlarged. No, because the gates or what we call receptors, where testosterone will get onto to cause enlargement, they close. So what happens, you'll still have testosterone in your body. That is why the penis does not grow for life, you know. And some people start getting worried when they grow older that, you know, the thighs are getting bigger, the time is getting bigger, but the penis is not. They start saying, no, my penis is getting small. It's the relative, you know, that you see. So testosterone will not increase your size when you are beyond puberty. This one says, is penis enlargement medicines good? Ones that you get from the pharmacies and on the street pharmacies. Yeah, no, we see that on the street pharmacy, on the you know, they get all these advertisements. The physiology of the penis is that it stops growing. That's, and we need to be comfortable with that and embrace that. And, you know, like, you know, one gentleman who had called about the size of the penis, no, where your size is, like on average, we look at that on that metal see, we're talking of around 8 centimeters when it's not erect, you know, around 13 you know, when it is erect, for instance. So knowing the penis, the size, being comfortable, and learning how to enjoy with it. Mm. Okay, more questions. What are the obvious signs of prostate cancer? Okay. Thank you for asking on obvious signs, because sometimes prostate cancer will not have any signs. So the obvious signs usually come when it's late. And those signs will be where you just can't pass urine at all. You go to the toilet, you are trying to push, you are in pain. Some come even in kidney failure, some come being paralyzed because the cancer can go on to the back, for instance. So difficulty passing urine, and then you start seeing your stream is no longer going fast. Coming here close to your shoes, you are pushing when you pass urine. You can't hold urine. When you think you are done passing urine, there's some dribbling coming out. All those, and waking up at night many times to pass urine, those are some of the signs that you will have with prostate enlargement. It does not necessarily mean it's cancer, because cancer may be silent. And that is the reason why we say, once you turn 40, have your checkup, and then if everything is okay, you can go and be checked up 45, and then yearly afterwards. And the checking up means it's a rectal examination where the finger will be put at the back to feel for the prostate and a blood test. It can save your life. 
This one says I agree with uh, the doctor. Um, it depends. I drink two liters of water a day and I urinate a lot. Um, it could be eight to ten times in a day. Another one is saying... Hmm, um, hi, Patricia. Please ask the doctor whether the chemicals used to treat tap water can have harmful effects to the kidneys in the long run. This is from Vuyo and Bloemfontein. Yeah, I think uh, especially when we're talking about, you know, the water that we're drinking, uh, I am, okay, personally, I prefer to have, you know, the filter because we know of the changes that can have with our water. So I think the big thing is that if you are not comfortable with, you can have your water checked. What is going on? Is the tap water that you are getting good for you? Can you have, I mean, having a filter, for instance, it doesn't cost much relatively. So there are salts in any water, even if you get the normal mineral oil. They usually write nutritional information there, what is there. So the issue is that it's different. Like if you buy water from different, it doesn't really taste the same, as you know. It doesn't really taste the same, but the issue is most of the time, it's, that's why they say, is it water that can be, you know, one can drink or not? If it is, then it's fine. This Your question, body can actually get rid of, you know, salt. That's why urine is not, you know, it's not clear. But what I like saying is also when you pass urine, look at your urine. If the urine is more like rooibos tea, it's good. If it's more like your, you know, five roses, then you know you are not drinking enough. You need to, Those are some of the signs, you know, your mm, body tells you. Mm. Yeah. And then this one says, I have heard if you're healthy enough, you have to hold your urine for five consecutive hours when drunk, regu when drunk regularly after two hours. Morning erection, on other hand, you want to pass urine, wouldn't it damage my erection? Yeah, I think, you know, especially when we're talking about holding urine over five hours, uh, most of the time I'll give an example. For instance, people who can't feel their bladder will tell them, no, every three to four hours, you know, try to go, I mean, go and pee because you can't feel that your bladder is full. So, and we need to also realize that we, you've been living with yourself. You can see when there are changes. So that is when you notice changes, check what could be happening. Okay. There's a talk on the morning erection. I, I, Morning erection, which is, we call it nocturnal erection, it's, it's normal for everyone. It doesn't damage anything. I like saying, you know what, it's a way of just telling you that things are still okay. All right. So it doesn't damage anything. No. Okay, so uh, the, the urine doesn't damage the morning erection. That's what you're saying. No. Okay. And some people, they know when, when in the morning going to the, they'll wake up having the erection when the bladder is full, you know. So... It doesn't. There's no damage at all. Well, Anonymous also has something to say along that line. It says, when I wake up to urinate, how do I tell the difference between an erection and a full bladder and the so-called morning glory, which is apparently a sign of a healthy cardiovascular system? Yeah. yeah I think once we're having the, mon the morning erection, it's a good thing. When okay. the morning erection starts disappearing, you can go and check what is really going on. But once what we know as well is that some people get the erection when they're sleeping, you know. That's why we just call it nocturnal erection because testosterone in the early hours of the morning goes high, you know, and as the day goes by, it goes down. That is why we test it, you know, in the morning when we do the test. 
All right, let's go to a quick break. We'll be back. I see most of your messages are coming in and we will try and get through as many of them as possible. To interact with us in our closet conversation, please dial 011-714-2006 or WhatsApp 614 SMSs go to 4139. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Closet Conversations. We're in conversation with Dr. Mushoka, who's a urologist and uh, what we are doing is taking your questions and answers around your sexual and reproductive health. This question, uh, Doc, is from Mike, who's in Bethlehem in the Free State, who says, Hi, Sis Pat and the good doctor there. I have a question. If I wear tight trousers and sit for a period of time, um, I find out that my testicles are pressed. I end up not feeling my penis. Should I be worried or should I refrain from wearing tight pants? I think you should restrain, I mean, from wearing the tight pants. You can see you are not comfortable. And, you know, like what you say, you can't feel your penis. Remember what happens with your scrotum as well. When it's hot, the scrotum needs some room, you know, to expand and go out so that it can keep the temperature low. So always wearing things that are tightening, you need to to be comfortable. Mm, All right. Please make sure that you wear comfortable pants but these mm. tight pants on men are fashionable these days honestly you know a man will be good but if you're not feeling good Patricia I'm not sure about looking good even you know dog you, some of them they'll be walking towards you and the first mm. thing that will be bulging at you will be their scrotum area and I mean and then it will be the shoes that, <laughs> that seem like <laughs> No, so I you see, when you are greeting, you don't know where to look. I, 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 I see, because now it seems like we're playing the Mickey on the guys. But the shoes will be like, because now they look much longer than the rest of the body. Yeah. And then this protruding penis area and these tight pants. Guys, let's go to this voice note. Hi, Shiswami. Hi, doctor. Um, I've got just I just want to ask, Kukuti, um, I don't know. At some stage, I'm thinking like at my right side kidney, attend our doctor, i get some medication, I'm cream berries, and uh, yeah, I drink them, liver, the and then at the long run, it happened to go to testicles, yam, yaga, right, yeah, I went back to our doctor, they gave me some other medication, then in the long run, it ended up being hard to a point between my bamba, it's hard, and the left one, it's soft. So I don't know which he went in, but at some stage it has stopped to be painful, so I'm asking him, please help me. Thank you. Doc, please mm. help our A-team, Yes, no, I can. The issue is if the testis is hard, it can either be that you know there is scar tissue in it, or there's growth, for instance, inside it. So I would recommend to see a urologist or to ask the doctor to send him for a sauna at least to have a look what is happening in the test because when you have got pain. Remember, your body is telling you something that, you know, and sometimes the pain in the testes can be there 
I don't know how old is Fusi, but what is important is if there's a, a urine, urinary tract infection or inflammation in the prostate, it can be, you know, we call it retrograde infection, meaning that the infection will go backwards and affect the testes. So that is what I would recommend. Must go, be checked. If it's over 40, have the prostate checked as well, and then be know what is going on in that. Is it a scar tissue or what? Yes. Doc, this question uh, is uh, from Anonymous in Hammersdale who says, Good evening, Manduli and the good doctor. I wish to know from the doctor, is it true if you have been diagnosed with kidney failure, you shouldn't take too much liquid? Okay, it's true. It's true. Remember your kidneys are there to take out, uh, you know, the fluids. We talked about water and the salts and everything. So if you have got kidney failure, it means your kidneys are failing to take out water. So if you drink too much water, the water is going to be in your body and it will go to your lungs. You will see it on your face, on the legs, and that will be a problem because it will make it life-threatening for you. So what we will usually recommend, like I was saying, normally we'll have what we call insensible body fluid loss through sweat and other things. So which on average is around 500 mils in adults, but your nephrologist will tell you how much you'll take because usually we'll use that in your weight and tell you how much fluid you should take per day. So yes, you shouldn't. This anonymous says, I have discomfort in the testicles and occasional pain in the penis. Could this be prostate cancer? Another related one who says, Doc, I want to know uh, something. Sometimes my left side testicle has a very funny feeling and sometimes mm. it feels slightly painful. My ge- girlfriend said, I must go for a checkup. Must I be worried? Mm. So these two are very related. Yes, they're very related. I think when there's pain in the testicles or in the penis, it, there may be something going on there like inflammation or it can be referred. And the referred pain it can be from the prostate or even from the kidneys. Remember, the testes, the testes are actually getting blood supply very close to the kidneys. They're, they are very related. So it's important, you know, to go be checked what is really going on. And the left testes, just to add on that, one of the things that can happen there is what we call a varicocele. It's where you, you'll feel on the testes, you know, on, on the side, it feels almost like a bag of worms. We call it varicocele. And that can cause pain. And in some men, it can even affect fertility. So your girlfriend is actually right. Go and be checked because sometimes that testes end up being smaller than the, the other side. So the varicocele can be treated. Okay. Anonymous says, um, do sweets affect sexual performance? What did Anonymous say? Do sweets affect sexual performance? Sleep. Sweets. Sweets. I'm a sweet. Oh, I'm a sweet. <laughs> okay, that's very interesting. I mean, I don't know whether in a positive or in a negative way. But, I mean, if I'll give an example, sweets have got, most of them, it's a lot of sugar. So it depends. I mean, whether someone, for, let me say if someone is pre-diabetic or is diabetic, that can over time be an issue. But average person who's, who's got good insulin response, you know, because most of the things that we eat will turn into three things, remember. Sugar, which is glucose, or fats, or proteins. So why specifically sugar? Remember, you are also taking, you are 
doing other things. You are maybe not exercising or you're so... It's many factors which will affect sexual health. Because you're not only eating sweets, eating other things. So please check that. And if you are affected, just if your sexual performance, you've got concerns, just go consult and check what is happening. Doc, it's been such a great evening with you and uh, a lot of A-teamers are laughing because of the skinny jeans and the shoes and protruding male members from these pants, um, sending us a lot of emojis uh, laughing Mm -hmm. at this issue. But how do uh, our A-teamers get in touch with you? Please repeat your website again. My website is Dr. Mushogwa. It's www.drmushogwa.com and then uh, on Insta, is Dr. Underscore Eveline Mushok. Excellent. Doc, thank you so very much for joining us. Next week, can we please talk about this transitioning, uh, gender reassignment and the process and how it works?